Welcome into the Quick Draw Dynasty. My name is Steve, and I'll be your host. Follow me on Twitter at QuickDrawDNSTY. All right. So people are talking now, like Cleveland's going to win the Super Bowl. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They got the offense. They got the defense. I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit. Every time I see a poll on Twitter asking who who did better, it seems like everybody's voting for the Browns players. I just want to... They have value, don't get me wrong, but I'm not pushing all of them up the board so high that there's nobody that's ever going to be better than any of them. Baker's a good young dynasty quarterback. That's great. I don't know that he finishes in the top five of QBs this year. It'll be interesting to watch. I could be wrong. I just think that at some point we need to pump the brakes a little bit. They've got a rookie head coach who's got a lot of guys to try to manage. He's Got Odell, which is a little bit of a head case sometimes. Jarvis likes to talk a little bit sometimes. Baker's a high, he's he's a motor guy that likes to get firing, get going. And I'm interested to see how it all comes together, but I don't think I'm going to go out and start trying to buy all the Browns players because I think they're going to be great. But there is a point right now, if you own some of them, you might be able to get King's Ransom for selling them. Just understand their value is probably very high. It could go higher when the season starts if they do start hitting all those expectations. But I expect them to be more of a defensive team. And they're, I mean, I think their offense is going to be good. But I think that with Miles Garrett leading the way on that defense, it's just going to be nasty. And they're not going to have to score a ton of points to uh, win games. So this kind of take in the value there and understand that people's expectations right now, I think, are just too high. The other thing that's in the news right now is Todd Gurley has a bad knee. Who knew? Nobody's talked about it. I'm so surprised. But there's kind of two camps. There is, oh my gosh, Gurley's going to retire and he's never going to play in a fantasy game again. And then there's people that saying, well, Gurley's probably going to be exactly what it was last year. He's going to be a 25 to 30 touch type of guy a game. And I don't think either of those are true. I think I would be very surprised if Gurley wasn't able to play and had forced to retire due to the injury. I don't think that's what's happening. But do I think that he ends up being more of like a 12 to 17 touch type of guy? That's where I see him right now. Do you, Depends on if you value him in the late first round. I don't think that's a bad spot to be getting him. If he falls the second, I'd absolutely take that chance because I think that could really win you some games. So just understand, I think Gurley's probably the 12 to 17 range. And then Henderson being eased in, starting with like the 8 to 15 and if Gurley would be to miss time, I think that Hendo gets the bump probably to the 15 to 20 touch maybe, and then Brown's going to step into a role somewhere in there too. So I'm not one. I don't want to predict anybody missing time, but I just think that's the realistic way to look at this backfield. That Gurley's not going to get the amount of touches he had overall last year, and I think that with them drafting Henderson, who excels in the stretch run game and is a weapon out of the backfield as a pass catcher as well. I just I just see that being a great compliment to Gurley, and I think that's there's definitely a lot of value um, in that backfield. People are criticizing Henderson being picked as a first-round pick, and I don't mind him in the late first. I don't know that I would go much higher than that, but the return on that could be great and it could be a huge lottery ticket if you can get him. I think his price might just keep going up towards the fall start of camps, but I mean that's just how I see it. I'm not going to back down from that until I see something different. Um, one thing I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit was uh, some PPR running backs to uh, maybe at a buy low price right now. Uh, I wanted to start with the 49ers backfield because I like what Kyle Shanahan does with his running backs. He seems to always have production in a strong run game. 
the guess is usually just of who's it going to be. And we saw that with his dad when they were in Denver and when he was in the Redskins as well, is, okay, who's it going to be this week? I remember starting Evan Royster for a game because I'm like, oh, man, this guy went and got, like, 20 points last week. And then he ended up getting, like, two carries for five yards and didn't help me at all. So just to understand, that's kind of a, if you can sift through what's there, it, there's a lot of value to be had, but I don't know that I want to necessarily rely on it at the same time. So Brita is the first guy, and but he's coming into camp now with a torn pec. That's, he's a guy that's, he's been good, but he's just been injury riddled is from last year. Uh, he that was very productive, but health is always his concern. Coming in hurt already is not a good sign. McKinnon's coming off of an ACL tear. Yeah, I mean, guys come back from that. So I think McKinnon could be realistically be a good shot. It just might take him some time to get back into the swing of things. Uh, Raheem Mostert we saw kind of come out last year. And I think he had a broken arm, I believe it was. And they had to re-break whatever he broke to get it to heal right. So he's out even longer now. So that leaves Tevin Coleman. Coleman was was good when given the chance in Atlanta. Uh, I don't know that he's going to be a bell cow and gets, be a three down back all the time. But I think even in, t- in limited carries in this offense, he can definitely be productive. We just ha- kind of have to figure out who the guy is going to be here. But right now, I think Coleman is probably the leader and should be the most valuable. But I think if you can get one of those other two guys at a discount right now, it could pay dividends. Why not give? Why not throw the owner out an, uh, an offer and maybe see how he values him? And if you can get him for fairly cheap, I don't mind having him on your roster as a backup. And if he does go off, then great for you. Next guy up is James White. Not really a sleeper. Some people that might value him higher. It just seems like the market never does. I've got I've got him on a team and trying to sell him to try to get anything back. Nobody wants to give you a second or even a third round pick. And I'm like, okay, you know, this is a guy that finished top 10 in fantasy last year. He's on a good offense with Tom Brady that just lost a bunch of pass catchers. They lost Gronk, they've lost Chris Hogan, they replaced, they have in Kiel Harry, rookie wide receivers sometimes take some time, I don't know how much I want to go and say, oh, in Kiel Harry is going to be the next coming of whoever, I like him, he's a nice player, but I don't think he's going to produce as much this year as people want him to, I think Edelman is certainly the wide receiver to own this year in New England, and I think that the next guy up is James White. Uh, he had a ton of catches last year. He's going to continue that this year. He's the one guy in that backfield that you kind of know on a weekly basis what's going to happen and when he's going to get used. So just kind of understand he's got a good safe floor with a medium roll upside with an injury to Sony that goes up a little bit higher. Um, so just maybe throw a price check out and see like, hey, is a third rounder enough to shake him loose from you? Or do you, maybe a second rounder. If you're in a win-now mode and you can add him for a second rounder, I think that's a great value for what you're trying to get. So check up check up on James White and see where you're at and where their uh, manager is at with him. Uh, Dion, Dion who? Uh, people are thinking Derrick Henry finally breaks out into the top flight fantasy back. It's possible. I understand it. They have a good offensive line. He runs. He's a good runner when he's given the chance. But he hasn't shown to be much of a receiving threat either. So it wouldn't surprise me if you can acquire Lewis for a third or fourth rounder in rookie drafts for like a rookie pick in Dynasty. He's a guy that could see 50 to 60 targets in the passing game. That's very high for a running back. And if for any reason, if Henry would go down or possibly be ineffective, they could give Lewis some more carries in there as well. Uh, 
I mean, it's a guy that nobody's really talking about. I think he's kind of faded with Derrick Henry getting all this hype. And he might be pretty cheap. It'd be something I'd definitely check up on. He could also, I think he could be at least a bi-week fill-in if you need somebody there. But I think he could turn into more through the course of the season as well. Um, Especially if you're getting him for cheap. Uh, The next one I want to talk about is going to be LeSean McCoy. And he's 31 years old. He didn't look very good last year in Buffalo. But Buffalo has changed up the offensive line. They have five, four new starters and one guy possibly moving from left tackle. So um, I think that there's a big upgrade there. He was working with a rookie quarterback last year in Josh Allen. And towards the end of the year, Allen started making people pay for loading the box on him with his athleticism and his, his arm. A running quarterback actually usually helps a running back as well. And I think this is the last year that Shady has in Buffalo, and I think that he could he could p- pass 1,000 yards and maybe a few hundred yards receiving as well. Uh, the touchdowns I could see getting up close to 10, and I don't think that – I mean, he's still talented. He's still got it. I don't think he's lost all that much yet, but I think they're definitely looking to replace him sooner rather than later. But if you need a one-year rental – I think that there's a lot worse places to go than LeSean McCoy right now. Uh, if you could shake him loose for maybe an underperforming young player that somebody thinks will break out, or um, maybe just like a third or fourth round rookie draft pick, I don't mind that. I think that's a good move for somebody. Uh, Jordan Howard went to Philadelphia this year, and it was kind of a big trade that everybody was pretty excited about. The Bears didn't seem to get him off their roster quick enough, and Philadelphia seemed pretty happy to get him. So if you look at his stats from last year, he had 960 yards and nine touchdowns. Don't know about you, but there's not a whole lot of other running backs that are getting that in the league right now. And I think that that's a pretty good value. Uh, People are scared that Miles, they drafted Miles Sanders in the third. Yes, he's going to cut into Howard's workload a bit, but I think Howard at least starts off the year pretty well. And I think that and he's been in the offense similar to this. He's going to know the concepts. He's going to know what to do. And he's going to be predictable with what he's going to get. He's probably not going to help you a lot in the passing game. I get that. But you can't look past what he did, 960 yards and nine touchdowns. He's going to a team with a better offensive line. And he people just look at his weekly going, he's boring, he's boring. Well, sometimes you need boring to win games. So it's not a sexy back, but definitely a name that people should be trying to think about maybe and buy low now and understand that this is the last year of his rookie contract and you might not be playing for him for this year, but if maybe he goes to take over for McCoy and Buffalo, I mean, that would be a great offense for him to end up in. Or maybe he goes and he's Zeke's handcuff all of a sudden in a downhill power run scheme where he can start taking some of the heat off of Zeke or maybe he goes to Jacksonville next year because... Fournette's not the guy, and they run a power type of scheme there or something. I go. I just think Howard is talented enough. He's just kind of one of those throwback backs that needs the carries to get the bulk and get his numbers that way instead of being the flashy quick hit guy that seems to be so popular these days. Uh, Chris Thompson is up next. He's the Redskins' pass receiving running back. He struggled to stay healthy for the last year or two. The early down work for the Redskins, I think, is very unpredictable currently. And I think that Thompson is going to be the only guy locked into a role right now, and he's definitely the best threat out of the backfield if he's healthy. So the um, AP and guys, we don't really know. I don't want to recommend buying or selling either of them because I don't know how this is going to shake out. 
running backs usually don't last as long as Adrian Peterson outside of maybe Frank Gore. And Geis hasn't played a down in the, in the NFL yet. Coming off a torn ACL, they have a good enough offensive line. I want a piece of it at some point, but I'm not going to recommend buying either of those guys because I think they're going to end up splitting time and not be very effective either this year. They also drafted Bryce Love in the fourth round. I don't know what that means, but it seems like they're playing him for next year. I don't think he'll play this year, but maybe he ends up being taking over the Chris Thompson role. It's possible. But just for this year, Chris Thompson is kind of the one guy out of that backfield that you kind of know what you're going to get. He's been there. He's been in the offense. They have a rookie quarterback who's going to be looking to take some easy throws here and there. And, I mean, I think that you're he's probably a throw into a trade, or if you're trading straight for him, like a fourth-round pick could probably get him. I mean, people might even be looking to cut him off their roster is kind of where I think that value is looking at right now. So I think that's definitely a guy that could – you could be a bye week fill-in, maybe a flex starter at some point if you got deep rosters. But I think you could do a lot worse than rostering Thompson right now. All right, we're going to take a little, we're going to play a little game. Going to be kind of hard by myself, playing a game, arguing with and against myself. I might have multiple personalities, but I'm going to try to have two for this one. So I'm going to start with Jameis Winston or Mitch Trubisky. Um, I personally would lean Winston. I like the upside he brings. I like the new offense they're bringing in. I think he fits it really well. I think he's shown that he's grown. Last year was a little weird. Was Fitz came in and did so well, and then Jameis was sitting out of suspension. And then Fitz is like, oh, I'm pretty locked in now. And then he goes out and has a bad game, and they put Winston in. Then Winston has a bad game, and there's just no continuity. Well, I don't think Arians going to be playing that game. They have great weapons. They think that their offensive line is good enough. They just they need to establish some form of a run game, but they didn't really address that yet, so it'll be interesting to see who steps up there. But definitely going for Winston personally there. Trubisky's a guy that I just struggle with because I've seen the, the play where he, they're running a play kind of towards the end zone. And you have the tight end just standing there, and he sits in the middle of the zone in the end zone with nobody around him for five yards. The easiest throw in the world. Trubisky can't find him. So what does he do? He runs and scrambles around and takes a five-yard loss instead of finding a wide-open guy in the end zone. That's always stuck out to me, and I know he's going to progress. He's going to get better, and he did put up some fantasy points last year. But I think the upside that Winston has that he could be a top six, top seven guy I don't know that Trubisky really ever is officially a quarterback one week to week. He had a couple like outlier five or six touchdown games, and that I think really inflated his season average numbers. But I, I think Winston has a lot higher ceiling than Mitch Trubisky currently. Next one I'm going to go is Jimmy Garoppolo or Kirk Cousins. I'm going to start off with the guy I don't like as much, and that's going to be Kirk Cousins. I think that offense is going to turn to be more of a run-heavy ball control style like they were a couple years ago and I think that they're going to run the ball play defense and that's how they're going to win games they have a great defense you didn't see it last year because it seemed like they played they had so many plays going they just were on the field too much and tired and they just weren't near as effective as they had been before uh, so I don't expect I think Cousins is a good quarterback I don't have anything wrong there's anything against him I just don't think you're going to see the volume that we saw last year and I think Dalvin Cook is the guy that ends up taking a step forward and they end up being a pound the rock type of team that is really going to lean on the throw only when they're down but shouldn't be very often with that defense Um, 
Jimmy Garoppolo is one of my favorites for this upcoming season and in Dynasty. I just see him being a franchise quarterback that's going places. They're putting weapons around him. Kyle Shanahan is able to scheme and do a really good job of getting guys open. Uh, they use the running backs in the passing game. That's going to be a high-efficiency, uh, high-powered offense. Their defense is going to certainly be better. I don't want to say that they're going to be a dominant defense, but I think they'll be a top-half defense. Um, they're going to have to keep up with Arizona. I mean, they're going to have to play Seattle, which defense has lost quite a bit, and when they can put up points pretty quick if they want to. So I just I see Jimmy having to air it out a little bit more, and they have the weapons. They have Kittle. Love Debo, uh, Debo Samuel this year upcoming. Um, they have Marquise Goodwin, which he's a big hit, and I mean that can make or break a game for Jimmy. Uh, I just see them having a lot of. They need to throw and need to pass the ball a little bit more than the Kirk Cousins and the Vikings will need to. I'm going to argue a little bit of the rookie conundrum here with Dwayne Haskins or Daniel Jones. Um, I know I haven't been super high on Haskins. He landed in, I think, one of the best spots for a quarterback, and I think he ends up starting the year off as their starting quarterback. I hope he does well. He's thrown some great passes in practice so far, and I think for this year I'm certainly taking Haskins over Jones, but if we're going to talk long-term in Dynasty, I'm taking Jones simply because the the head coach, uh, the offensive scheme they run is going to be a high percentage, let the running backs do your thing, and they have Saquon Barkley. I all you have to do is dump it off and let him do the work. I mean, they have Golden Tate. Golden Tate's kind of the same way. They've got the red zone threat and Evan Ingram. I mean, that, that Giants offense, I think, is just on the rise. Dallas's defense, they have a good pass rush, but their back half is okay. The Redskins, I think, have the, probably the best defense in the division, and the Eagles have a pretty good coverage defense. So I think the Giants probably have the, the worst defense out of those four in the division. I think that leads to them passing a little bit more and playing from behind more often. And... I, I like what they're doing, and they could be the better defense in a year or two. But right now, I just I just think Daniel Jones is going to have a little bit safer floor each week. He's going to offer some of that rushing ability, too, that Haskins is really not going to have a lot of at all. Um, and I know that people are going to be crazy, and they're like, oh, Daniel Jones. Just how I see it right now, I like I said, I hope Haskins proves me wrong. I, he's done a really good job in camp so far, but once the pads come on and guys are flying at you full speed in the game, it's a lot different, too. Um, I think another interesting one for me is a guy, a couple guys that are getting overlooked in fantasy and specifically dynasty right now, and that's Derek Carr and Andy Dalton. Uh, both of them realistically could be in about their last year of starting for their teams. I don't think that's um, unrealistic. I think Carr has a little bit safer footing right now. I think with Gruden, I think they've upgraded weapons. He was actually the the most accurate downfield passer last year, which was really surprising, but. Part of that was probably due to volume and them not throwing down the field very much at all. They've gone out and gotten a field stretcher, and they've got a nice possession receiver, which that's kind of what I classify Antonio Brown as. He seemed to take the short ones and then take them because this after the catch is just so good. Uh, they're going to need a tight end to replace Cook. I'm not sure who that's going to be yet. I think that'll be really interesting to develop. Um, Josh Jacobs, I think, should take a lot of pressure off of him, being a banger between the tackles. Uh, hopefully that Carr can come off the play action and do a good job there. So overall, I think Carr is going to have the better dynasty perspective outlook right now. Andy Dalton's right on the fence with me. I could see him coming out and having a great year. I think he's talented. I just think the offensive scheme has held him back in the last couple years, and he hasn't quite been able to have the 
continuity with his weapons, with A.J. Green going down more often than he would probably like. And Dalton hasn't been the beacon of health either, missing a few games last year. So what I, I kind of see is they're looking towards more of a run-heavy offense, I think, this year. And it, it sounds weird to say that because they were I thought they were run-heavy last year. But I think Mixon is the guy on this team to own and is probably most of their future right now. Uh, Dalton, he's going to be okay, but I don't think they're airing it out. I do like John Ross, but at the same time, I don't think the volume is going to be there either. So Ross is going to be a guy with like three receptions, 120 yards, and a touchdown every every few weeks maybe, if we're lucky. Uh, A.J. Green is going to get those over the tops off the play action. Andy Dalton does a good job of that. I just don't, it's not going to be a high volume game, but I think they're going to be efficient enough that the receivers are still going to hold value. And hopefully that keeps Dalton afloat. I know I'm kind of arguing against myself here, but I just see this offense being so run heavy and Mixon really being the centerpiece that Boyd and AJ Green and John Ross are kind of, they're going to trade weeks with who's doing really well just because I think it's 20, 20 to 25 passes a game and then Mixon handles 20 to 25 rushes a game and they kind of play ball control and try to up make the defense play a little better and that's going to probably be their way they're going to win games they really worked on the offensive line through the offseason and through the draft and I just kind of see that that's just in my mind how I see it going right now I, I think the Rams were built off the run game and everything stems with from the run game and the play action game I think if you kind of what I think is going to happen is that's the same thing that's going to happen here it's going to be mixing, 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 and then all of a sudden a play action and somebody gets hit deep. So just, I like Carr's overall perspective, but I could, I wouldn't be surprised at all to have Dalton have a good year here. But for this exercise, I'm going to take Derek Carr. All right, welcome back. I'm going to get into some tight end rankings. Um, try not to do, keep them too hot for you, but... From a dynasty perspective, uh, maybe you're playing in a tight end premium and you need a couple guys that are going to give you some lasting uh, value for a while. The, the first one, I think everybody's top of the list now with Gronk being retired and out of the game, is going to be uh, Kelsey uh, for the Chiefs. I don't think there's anybody that's going to come close to doing what he does after the catch in a high-powered offense. I just think that he is going to be the top guy for at least next year or two. Uh, after that, I mean, we could see a change in the guard a little bit. But Kelsey is an animal. He's fun to watch. Uh, he's going to put up points. He is tied to Patrick Mahomes. I want about any piece I can that's tied to Patrick Mahomes. I don't see that hat changing, and I don't see Andy Reid retiring or going anywhere necessarily anytime soon. So I think Kelsey is a pretty safe bet to do pretty well for you there. Uh, if you're trying to sell him, I would be asking for an awful lot. I, it's not a guy that I would be looking to actively get rid of because I think it's such an advantage to have one of these top tight ends just because the, there's just not enough of them out there. If you're playing in a two tight end league and you don't have any of like the top five or six, you're just kind of throwing a spaghetti at a wall and seeing if it sticks. So just Kelsey's value is really high if you're trying to get him and someone doesn't think you're giving enough there's probably a reason for that and that positional scarcity is going to drive the value up on these guys uh, number two is George Kittle um, I actually got offered Kittle in a league but he wanted Debo Samuel which I wasn't open to trading and he wanted he wanted like three of my best players just to get Kittle I don't think it was an unfair offer 
I just wasn't in the position that my team wasn't strong enough to get go after one player for giving up three. It just wasn't in what I wanted to do. Um, but understand that Kittle is going to go into his third year. He was dominant last year. Uh, I don't know that he repeats the production from a targets or a yardage standpoint, but he's going to be a guy that takes that out route or slant route, and he can take it 40 yards for a touchdown. I think he's got the same ability there as Kelsey does in that sense. He's young. I think he's tied to a good quarterback. He's got a good coordinator. They know how to use him. Uh, they really learned what kind of a weapon he was last year. So I think a thousand yards and probably eight or nine touchdowns I think is realistic for Kelsey or for Kittle, and I think that's going to put him up there quite a bit. Uh, I ranked him ahead of Ertz mostly just because of youth right now, um, but I really like Kittle. I don't think I would be trading him for very much right now. People are trying to say, well, his value is never going to be higher. Eh, I don't know that it won't ever be higher, but with the position scarcity right now, people are going to value Kittle very highly, and you might be able to get a little bit more than normal for him. I mean, that's up to you. It depends on how your team is. Like I said, I like that positional advantage, and you what you paid for Kittle, you probably paid like a third or fourth round rookie draft pick for him if he wasn't a waiver pickup. So I just, I like that hold. I like the value that you got there. But if you are interested in trading him, I understand. But I would hold a King's Ransom for him at the same time. Uh, Ertz is going to be my number three. The t- the volume there is large. They're in a good offense. Wentz really seems to have a good connection with him. I mean, he's going to be a guy that's going to get almost 100 targets every single year. We already know that. Uh, people are saying Dallas Garter, look out for him. He's coming up. It might happen. They might, I see they could see them using more two tight end sets uh, and help pound the run game as well doing that. But I think Ertz is going to be safely as the wider, or the tight end three, and he's going to be able to get a lot of catches in the middle of the field, and I think he's going to have a pretty good amount of touchdowns as well. I don't see him slowing down necessarily anytime soon. So I think for at least the next couple years, Ertz is definitely a guy to have. I don't know that I would be that interested in selling him, but maybe somebody's panicking and saying, oh, Goddard's coming up, look out, look out. And maybe that's the way they, they're thinking about it. But I like Ertz a lot. He's going to have another good year. Um, as long as Wentz stays healthy, even if not, I think Ertz is probably the safest receiver on that team to keep his targets. The other guys, you're talking about Deshaun Jackson, that's older speedster guy and you're talking about Alshon Jeffrey that seems to be made of glass and always hurt so um I I just think Ertz is safe and I don't see a whole lot of threats to his game right now that could always change but I don't see anything coming up in the foreseeable future that we could predict right now that would change that uh now the after the top three I mean they're kind of in their own tiers you could say Kelsey's tier one Kittle and Ertz are tier two and then we're kind of coming to tier three here um I like Evan Ingram. I think he is the the biggest target in that passing game. He's very fast for a tight end. I think that you're going to start seeing him used more. Uh, they, they have a couple of slot guys. I get that. But I could see Ingram kind of falling into that gronkle where they start splitting him out wide and throwing fades to him just because he's going to be such a good receiver and such a mismatch for anybody to try to cover him. Um I mean, Eli's got to be able to get on the ball or uh, Daniel Jones, depending on when he comes into play at some point. But, I mean, a, a rookie quarterback's best friend is going to be the tight end and the running backs. 
So I could see Ingram along with Saquon being peppered with targets a lot and the wide receivers kind of falling by the wayside for a while. But Ingram is just, he's another guy that's like Kelsey that he's just, he makes a little cut and he's just gone and you can't catch him and he's just a beast to try to bring down. He's too big for defensive backs and he's too fast for tight or for the linebackers to try to keep up with them. I I think he's just such a mismatch that he's going to be able to do a lot of interesting things. I don't think people are caught on to him just yet, so you might be able to acquire him, maybe not as a throw-in, but as a value-added piece, maybe. And I think I would be buying Ingram if I could, if he was offered to me for sure. Uh, just I just see him as the fourth guy on this list. The next one I want to go to is Hunter Henry, coming off of his ACL tear last year. He is a red zone threat, and Phillip Rivers loves throwing to his tight ends. We can argue that Rivers only has a year or two left, probably, of top-end production. But as long as he's there, I mean, I think Henry's going to be in the league for quite a while. He's just he's a physical guy down by the goal line, and he just seems to find the open spots and be able to get open down there. And I think his touchdown upside is always going to let him float pretty high. Uh, I I would want a piece of him for sure. I don't think anybody's selling him, especially coming off of an ACL tear. If you held him through last year and you haven't gotten rid of him, I think he's going to pay dividends for you pretty quick. Uh, really like Hunter Henry here at five. O.J. Howard is kind of the next sexy pick that everybody's kind of up on in this new Bruce Arians offense. And Jameis likes him a lot. I like him a lot. He seems to make a lot of big plays happen. I think he's probably a little bit better blocker than people give him credit for, and I think he'll see the field more this year. Um, they, he's still competing a little bit with Cameron Braid, but I think they can coexist at the same time. Uh, I think Howard's going to be able to run underneath and get open and do a lot of damage. I think he'll be good. I don't think he quite has the touchdown upside that Henry has, so that's kind of why I put him closer to six than four. Uh, I think he's going to be a great if you have him. I wouldn't give him up for a whole lot. Somebody offers you King's Ransom, obviously you take it. Um, but I like O.J. Howard here at six. He's just He's got a good overall game. I'm interested to see how Arians uses him in this offense. Um, number seven, I'm going to go Hawkinson. He's rookie. I don't know that I've seen a whole lot of tight ends, maybe since Ingram come out, that are hyped up as much as he is and that get taken that high. And I think people are like Stafford doesn't use tight ends. Stafford hasn't had a whole lot of tight ends that sit on the field the whole time and actually are blockers. The guys they've given him were all kind of the H-back split out, and they had Golden Tate for quite a while, and Golden Tate eats up a lot of those targets. Well, now they kind of are going to move to more of a run-heavy power type of scheme where Hawkinson's going to stay on the field all three downs, and you're not going to know if they're going to run it or throw it because he's going to be able to block and he's going to be able to receive. Um, I like him. His best route was crossers. I mean, he's just going to be a kind of like a kittle, I think, is how you're. I'm going to try to look at him. He's going to be that guy that can end up taking it, and then he's going to be really hard to bring down, and he's fast. So you're just kind of looking at the mismatches he's going to create where he's not going to get lined up with a bunch of DBs, but more the linebackers. And I think that he ends up becoming a pretty big red zone threat in that offense. I think the red zone receivers are going to be him and Kenny Galladay. And, I mean, Hawk might not do a ton this year, but I've seen projections of 500 yards and five touchdowns. I'll take that for a tight end, especially a rookie tight end. That's a pretty good start. Uh, next is Fant. Again, with the youth, I think paired up in an offense where they said they like his blocking. I don't think he's quite as good of a blocker as Hawkinson, but he might have been overlooked in that same sense. 
Uh, the problem I had with Fant in college was simply that he seemed to disappear for a while, and then all of a sudden he'd come back and make a great play. And I just I like consistency more than off and on type of guys. Uh, I think he landed in a great spot that doesn't have a whole lot of tight end depth. I think he will certainly see time in year one. I don't know that he's going to have the production. Just generally looking, it's very hard to come out and be a superstar your rookie year as a tight end. So I think year two, year three is when he's going to hit his break. And I think by that time, you're going to have the Missouri quarterback in, Drew Locke. Almost forgot his name there. I think Locke's going to be in, so people are kind of trying to tie him to Flacco and say, well, Flacco really likes his tight ends. I don't know that that's that big of a deal for the long term because I don't know how long Flacco's going to keep remain the starter. Um, but I think Fantasy, he's going to be the young, the kind of what uh, the, the Redskins tight end was his first couple years in the league where he was just uncoverable because he was so big and so fast. And as long as he can avoid injuries, I think he can do a really good job in that receiving role there in Denver. Um, Burton is going to be my number nine for the Bears. And I think that he just has the same type of upside that Kelsey has. Uh, I think he, he's not tied to near as good a quarterback to me. And I think that is the hardest thing on his value right now is just I think he has all of the potential in the world. And hopefully we see it year two in this offense. And just maybe everybody was just a little bit ahead last year. And he finished fine last year, don't get me wrong. But I think to leave him out of the top ten at this point would be kind of criminal. Uh, I think that he belongs there. I think he'll show this year he's going to be more consistent. And I think that there's just so many weapons in that offense that they're going to spread the ball around quite a bit. You're never really going to know who's going to be that guy where the other guys are kind of cemented in their role and you kind of know what they're going to have and what they're going to do. Um, but I think Burton will definitely see an uptick this year. He'll be a little bit more consistent than he was last year. And I'm I'm excited for him. If I can get him in a couple of leagues, I'm, I'll be very happy about it. Um, but, yeah, I, I like him at number nine, I think, right now. Uh, number ten I'm going to bring up is Mark Andrews for the Baltimore Ravens. Everybody's kind of worried about Lamar Jackson progressing as a passer. But Andrews thrived with him in, in back under center and I think that's going to continue I just think that he's a fast enough weapon and a good enough receiver that he's going to be one of Lamar's favorite and most consistent targets game to game I think that this is a game that's going to be built off of play action and he's going to be able to hold the linebackers in place thinking he's going to run and they're going to try to stop him and he just happens to float one right over their head to Andrews for big gains like I was kind of saying earlier you don't see that rookie production from tight ends very often Andrews was a guy that had 500 yards, so it's not like even with Lamar under center, he was still able to produce, and I could see him being one of the top receivers on the team. Uh, I know that everybody's starting to jump on the bandwagon, and I'm one of them. I didn't realize he had that many receiving yards, and really it was a full season because he wasn't hurt, but I don't think he really played a big role until the second half. So you kind of start moving those numbers a little bit, and that's a pretty good tight end to be having right now. So just... I think if you haven't looked into Andrews, if you kind of watch him and understand his role, what's going to happen in that offense with, I mean, are they really going to try to start two rookie wide receivers on the outside right away? That's quite a stretch. I think there will be some other guys that are going to factor in, but I think the tight ends are the most safe pass catchers in that offense right now. And I think they'll be the most predictable. And I think Andrews will be able to lead that bunch in receiving. And I think that's definitely the way I want to go right now. So... 
couple things for you guys to think about. I think that's a pretty good place to wrap the episode up. Um, join me next week on Quick Draw Dynasty. Thanks for listening.